Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. All right. If you don't follow me on Twitter, you should know as somebody. It's not going to be a quiet room. Welcome to un Unintended Consequences, How to Reduce Exclusionary Practices in Our Organizations and Communities. I am Kim Creighton. Yes. Um, you can use the hashtag cause a scene. You can find me at Kim Creighton one I have a website, hashtag cause a scene, as well as KimCreighton.com. Um, after this slide, I usually would put my credentials in there, but you know what? I'm causing such a scene. I don't care if you don't trust what I have to say. I know what I'm talking about. So there it is. First, and also, there it is. So let's define some terms. I am an educator by trade. Um, I only entered tech four years ago. And I like to start everybody on the same page. So that when I get into my talk, people are saying, yeah, I don't know what that means. So we just start off everybody at the same place. Privilege is about access. When I talk about privilege, I don't just talk about race and gender and all these things. I talk about access. That means that there's a group of people who have more access to resources, um, connections than other groups. That's what um, privileges. It's that simple. It's about access. And so I use this picture because everybody, people have seen these little monkeys in Japan. They think, oh, that's so cute. But right there is an example of access because there's a family, a female family group that is um, only, they're the only ones who get in the water. The other monkeys on the outside, they got to fend for themselves. If they freeze to death, they freeze to death. So it's only a family of monkeys that can get in. So this family has access to this pool of this hot water where others don't. Underrepresented is about numbers. So that's all it is. In tech, white women are underrepresented. Marginalized is about treatment. In tech, many white women are not marginalized. So I like to make that distinction because when, you, when people say they want diversity, adding a white woman to your team or to your panel is not diversity. Diversity is about variety. I know I'm from the States and we have Crayola crayons. When you get that big box, I was the only child, so I got a 64 box of crayons. I had a lot of variety. That's what variety is about, diversity is about. To me, inclusion is the holy grail. It is about experience. It is about everyone having the experience they expect when they come in contact with your business, your community, or your event. Inclusion is not about equity, because if you, white man, and I, black woman from the south of the United States, start the race at the same time, you're still going to be ahead of me. I need you to stop, sit down for a second, and let me catch up and pass you. Diver um, inclusion is not about quotas. 
That's underrepresentation. Inclusion is about people's experiences with your companies, your communities, and your events. All right, so we're going to talk about some businesses here. And these are some of the things that get, that I find that get individuals in, in, in trouble or get them in places they don't want to be with these unintended consequences is because many people think they have a business when in fact they have a product or a service. A product or a service is not a business. A business requires processes, policies, and procedures that allow you to grow, to scale, to recover. But just for the fact that you have created a product or service, you do not necessarily have a business. That's why a VC can come in and take over your company because they bring in those skills to help you grow and, and everything else. Um, and, I, and I blame the, the lean canvas model for this because that is about iterating a product or service and not about a business. Also, you cannot manage what you do not measure. You can't. You can guess, but you'll never know where you are exactly if you cannot, you cannot manage it if you cannot measure it. So I'm not a person who reads off, off um, things. Honestly, these things are up here so I remember where I am because I ad-lib a lot. So all too often, organizations fail. And when I say organizations, I mean businesses and communities. I'm going to make that one thing. So when I'm talking about organizations, that's what I'm talking about. Because, uh, or become toxic, because the leaders don't understand that growth requires processes that enable connectedness, innovation, and competitive advantage. What happens is you have a group of, okay, we're just going to talk about white men because that's what we're full of. You have a group of white men that go to university. They come up with this project and they, oh, this is great. Let's do this at, to make money. And they step over here with the same mentality they had when they were in their frat. They have not thought about business being different. So they behave the same way. They stay up the same amount of hours they used to. That's why you have these ping pong tables that women and people are marginalized groups, we could care less about all that. I'm going home. Um, I don't even know how to play ping pong. I can't even keep it on the table. Um, we don't, I'm not interested in drinking beer with you on the job. Uh, I want to do my job and I want to go home. Successful organizations are built on foundations that enable their leaders to turn information into knowledge in order to scale, evolve, and recover. That's what a business is. If you can't scale it, if you can't recover, or if you can't evolve, what you've created for yourself is a job. It is not a business. So you see people who work at restaurants and they can't ever leave. They have to be there all day. That's a job. They've created a job for themselves. You want to work, be able to work on your business and not work in your business. And so, um, and we, as we all know, being technologists, Google has everything. But just because you can find information on, on Google does not mean you, it's knowledge for you. You have to do something to internalize that information before it becomes knowledge, so it's a lived experience. And that's one part, point that they're missing. The ability for organizational leaders to successfully create and manage um, operations relies heavily on how well they are at developing the necessary processes. So here we talked about you have to have the information that turns into knowledge that will allow you to scale, evolve, and to recover. And then you need to be able to have the acronym, <laughs> the ability 
to put those processes in place to allow you to scale, evolve, recover. And I'm going to be honest with you. Many of you don't have these. Many of you are developers. Many of you don't care to learn anything else. But as I say in many of my talks, if you don't have these human-centric skills, you will be out of a job soon, and you will be one or the other. I, on the other hand, who has a different set of um, technical skills, you have technology skills. I have a different set of technical skills. I hate when people call my skills soft because they're not soft because many of you don't have them. I, because I am a person who can deal with human beings, I'll always have a job. You need to start thinking about that. When leaders take the time to understand and, and operationalize, this is the key word, operationalize their organization's functions, they avoid common barriers to success while being able to recover more quickly from unexpected events. Unexpected events are going to happen. As the first um, speaker talked about errors, we know that's just not in our code. When you're building a business, you're testing stuff, you're, you're trying stuff out. You think you have it, and then you wake up, and there's, there's um, your site's down, or some, your, your accountant ran off with your money, whatever it is. There will be unexpected events. Having these things in place allow you to prepare at least for some of that. Many businesses have no plans in place. They're just going on, and whatever happens, happens, and, and then they're just like, I don't know. I don't know why Cambridge Analytica has our data. I don't know why we didn't go back after four years and somebody said, hey, did somebody check and see if they destroyed that? I don't know. Um, all these things, because there aren't processes in place. Building a successful organization with fewer unintended consequences requires more than a great product or service. Again, a product or service is not a business. It requires leaders being able to give all stakeholders, all stakeholders, the experiences they want and the ability to manage the process. This is where inclusion comes in. It's about experiences. And I'm going to tell you what stakeholders I'm talking about in just a moment. But I also give my, I'd like to talk to leaders because I have nothing against people who are not in leadership, but you have absolutely no power, no agency, no resources, and you cannot move these things forward. And what you do is become burnt out. You become frustrated because they're telling you at the top that these things are important to you, but they're not giving you any resources of backing so that you can do anything with it. So you're banging your head against the ceiling, and they're telling you you're doing such a great job, and then you feel guilty for not, you know, I'm tired, but this is such, a, you know, I want to be more inclusive, and I don't know. This has to come from leadership. So when I talk about all stakeholders, I believe building businesses for social change. We are at a time where everybody has access to information. We are at a time where pretty, a, a lot of people are very polarized. And I'm, I can speak from the United States, I don't want to make any assumptions about Germany, but I know our government is not run by politicians, it is run by business owners. It is run by very wealthy business owners who can pay lobbyists to give money to politicians. And politicians, in turn, make decisions based on the money they received. So when we talk about, when I say all stakeholders, in a traditional business, it's about just the shareholder. And this is what gets me, because people get all upset about jobs leaving. And I'm going to give you some business um, education if you don't know this. 
In the United States, again, don't know about Germany, it is illegal for a board of directors or a CEO, their first priority has to be stake shareholder value. So if they do something or make a decision that would not bring the shareholders as much money as possible, they can be sued by said shareholders. So I found it quite interesting that during the previous election, all of these people were upset about where coal jobs are gone. Ain't nobody, they ain't bringing them back. The um, carrier, people, um, um, they thought they were gonna, those jobs weren't gonna go to Mexico. I don't care who Trump is or who everybody else is, the shareholders of that company own that company and the CEO and the board of directors have to do whatever they can to, um, to make sure that shareholders are not only not losing money, but are increasing their profits. That is what shareholders are about. Stakeholders are looking at other people in the company. And this is where you get the inclusiveness. Because if you're only thinking about shareholder value, how inclusive can you actually be? That's where there's no money in it, because you can't justify. Um, everybody's telling I me mean, there is, there's data about ROI, return on investment, when you have a very inclusive teams. And I'm sure you, if you work on inclusive teams, you know that you have better ideas. Um, you, you can create better. You can create something together that you couldn't create by yourself. But if your main thing is about shareholder value, if giving something to um, inclusion and diversity and no shareholders don't see an immediate return on the value, you're not going to get that money. So we're talking about stakeholder values. This is what, this is the business model I believe in. And it's talking about considering those who work for you, those who partner with you, those who buy from you, and those in, who invest in you. And I have it in their order for a reason. Your employees, the people who work for you, are your most important asset, period. They determine how any customer experience is going to be. So you need to make sure that you have thought about how to improve the experiences of those internal stakeholders. And then you're going to go outside a, a bubble, and those are your partners, maybe your supply chain, who's, uh, if you're making t-shirts, the company you choose to make your t-shirts. These are the things you need to think about because you might pick a company that has um, policies that you don't believe in, but you've partnered with them because you haven't thought about these things. Also, who buys from you? Everybody's not gonna buy from you. There are some clients you, may, you will not want but you can't know that or be able to articulate that well if you have not made these determinations, if you have not thought about these things. And also those who are investing in you. Everybody's just running out here for this VC money. MailChimp was, um, was named Inc's company 100, um, the uh, number one country company for 2017, and they have not taken a bit of venture capital money. So when we talk about investing in you, we need to think about, especially like we're talking about communities, your local JavaScript, who's investing their time in you? Who's sponsoring you? And those are the four stakeholders you need to think about. Going, going from a product or service focused to business model focused takes time. Um, You've you got to stop expecting um, simple solutions to complex problems. This is what gets us in trouble. Um, it takes intention, which means I want to do something 
But wanting to do it is not enough. You have to have a strategy in place to make it happen. All are necessary in order to innovate, differentiate, and compete in the information um, age. You do not have a business if you cannot, not in the information age, if you cannot innovate and differentiate yourself. There are two um, ways you can get competitive advantage through differentiation and price. And I don't think anybody really wants to, uh, to battle anybody on price. But when you differentiate, differentiate your services and products, you can, you can um, really, if this is really something, look at Louis Vuitton. No one really needs a Louis Vuitton bag. But I see tons of them. All you need is a sack from the grocery store. Everyone in the hashtag call the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtagcausescene.com. All you need is a sack from the grocery store. But people have different ideas of what they value. Also, building stakeholder rather than shareholder focus organizations is a proactive approach to addressing inclusion, diversity, and safe fixes and tape. We have to stop doing this, throwing spaghetti up on the wall and seeing what sticks. We have to have a plan. It has to be strategic because when we don't do that, underrepresented and marginalized individuals are harmed by our actions. This is the very reason I have issues with Stack Overflow to this day, and if somebody in here has a problem with that, I don't care. I have a serious problem that for the last three years, their survey indicates that 92% of their survey um, participants were white males between the ages of 18 to 34. White males between the 18, years of 18 to 34, you are my target audience because you are the bottleneck. You are in the way. It's nothing wrong with you. I have nothing against you. But the, the, you are in the way. And what I don't like about the Stack Overflow issue is the fact that businesses are looking at that as if that is a representation of the global community. It is not. It is a representation of those individuals who feel safe enough to engage and gamify st um, Stack Overflow. I'm currently hearing that um, people are going on interviews and people are asking, oh, all I need to see is your GitHub and your Stack Overflow score. What? What does that have to do with me doing my day-to-day -day job? But because women, people of color, people with disabilities are not actively engaging on Stack Overflow, they don't have the scores, which means these decisions by um, business leaders are impacting us financially. And you really don't have a right to mess up my money. So stop making these stupid decisions. So we're going to take you to a process from shipping, shifting from a product or service focus to a business model focus. So step one, I have my clients imagine. Imagine what the ideal stakeholder experience would look like. I really don't have people, my clients even talk about their product or service until, week, until several sessions later, because that doesn't matter. Because if you do this part right, 
You can pivot, you can change, you can do everything. You should not be married to a product or service. That's also what gets us in trouble because we get to, we can't change it. And even though our customers, all of our stakeholders are saying, this is not working for me, Stack Overflow, um, you still have to, you're, you're holding on to this. And those who follow me know that I'm just into Stack Overflow right now. So I have a problem because they are the, 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 the is it the hub in the wheel? Yeah, the hub of every developer community in the world. You cannot tell me that, the, especially when we're talking about AI, machine learning, and deep learning, that that, that that code on that website is not biased. So you have people who don't feel safe enough to engage on that site, so they're just copying and pasting code. At some point, there's gonna be a tipping point when we have a problem. So, so this process is not outlining, um, a, it's not an outlining session, so you're not saying step one, step two. You really want to get into the feel, how you want your customers to feel when they come in contact with your organization. It's not about product or service at this point. What do you want them to feel when they come in contact with you? When they reach out to you and say, I need help, because that's why they're coming to you. I need help. Well, how do you want them to feel through the whole process? And this takes time. Some clients I had recently, they thought it was going to be, because they're in El Salvador, they thought it was going to take a few hours. No, it took them a week to do that, to get my assignment back to me, because you really have to think deeply about this. So it's time for you to tap into the emotions. Because again, we go back to Louis Vuitton, only reason people are buying that is because there's an emotional attachment to that. That's what quality, high-priced goods are. They, it, they elicit an emotion in us. And you want to use adjectives, descriptive words. So this is an example I'm going to give you. So you want to apply measurements to your indicators. So you want to create indicators. So this is me. Um, oops. Yeah. Okay, so define. So my company, you want to put a company, company name has a commitment to. So Kim Creighton LLC has a commitment to facilitating honest conversations and strategic action for positive change in technology in the technology sector. Anybody here who follows me knows that's what I do. So now you want to define your core values. My company um, is to promote positive organizational and community change in fun and engaging ways. That's why I do the music. That's why I have the conferences. That's why I have the shirts. This stuff is hard enough. I need people to feel safe and comfortable and welcome to have these challenging, complex conversations. Um, and so you want to know what that looks like, what that experience looks like. So then you want to define your indicators. So for me, it's to get more clients. So that means meeting. To me, I would know that I have more clients because I'm meeting or exceeding my monthly financial goals. I'm getting attention because I have a significant growth in brand awareness. I'm getting more Twitter followers. I'm getting more Instagram followers. I'm getting people to come to my conferences. I'm getting people who are saying, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? And then I want data. I want to track tr tracking um, client outcomes. So when I'm working with my personal clients, I want to make sure that I provide them with a, uh, uh, a uh, testimonial, a simple thing that they don't even have, all they have to do is fill in the blanks or at my end of my, uh, my conferences, a survey or something, I want to get that data. Then you want to apply it. 
You want to apply measurements. Again, you cannot manage what you cannot measure. So to get clients, this X number of dollars per month by December 18, uh, 31st. Get attention. Be a guest on X number of podcasts or be a get, um, be, uh, write in X number of publications by this time. And I will identify that and get data. X number of testimonials, referrals, and um, sponsorships. These are things that I have identified so that I can measure my, myself against it. And so then I ask myself, what must, uh, we must reach this benchmark to know that we can claim success. So we can't say, oh, I got halfway there, because if you're not measuring. So you can say, oh, I got halfway there, but these are the reasons why I only got halfway there. So there may be a success. You only maybe got halfway there because you had to pivot and had a more successful um, opportunity. But you won't know that if you have not sat down and, and wrote, written these things out. This step is where a deep, where you develop effective metrics for measuring your core values. So my core values, again, are to promote positive organization and community change in fun and engaging ways. And this is how you turn, because people are like, how do you get these adjectives? Because this is why code of conducts don't work all the time, because be nice. What does that mean? Everybody has a different idea of what be nice is. You need to be able to figure out words that are measurable. Um, I also don't like harassment, because if you've not defined harassment in the beginning, some people have a different idea of what harassment is. We see that with the Me Too movement. And then you want to test. You want to test the indicators with your stakeholders, and you want to collect data from them. Data are the facts, but again, that's not enough. You want their feedback, their feelings, and their reactions. So it's two ways of, of collecting data. You want, I mean, collecting um, information. So you want to get that, that hard data, that quantitative data, but you also want to get that qualitative data. Because without both, you do not have a complete picture. And then you want to evaluate um, your measurements to determine if your benchmarks were met. And this is where people mess up. You want to know why. If you were, if you did meet, what did you do? And write that stuff down. If you did not, talk about it and write that stuff down. Use knowledge to get news knowledge gained from evaluation of testing to refine the process. And you're going to iterate. I tell people, as you're iterating your product or service, you need to be iterating your culture, your core values. You need to be testing, getting customer feedback, getting stakeholder feedback, figuring out, does this work? Is this working for you? If not, okay, we need to change that. How do we need to change that? Okay, and you need to be doing it just like a sprint. And then you need to standardize it. You create form. Once you have something that's concrete, a little, I mean, more concrete, because it's never going to be concrete. Um, you need to create formal processes based on the knowledge gained from the evaluations. You need to document explicit language, and explicit means those things that you can write your documentation. Documentation is the best way, the, one of the first ways that you can be more inclusive in your communities. You need to be writing documentation, in particular if you have uh, customers that use that to create or use that to answer questions. Your documentation is not a one-stop thing. It is a continuous cycle. And you need to share tacit knowledge. Tacit knowledge is that what you turn information into personal knowledge. Or, and so if I am doing something and I have a task and I've done it a few times, now I have my own way of doing that. You need to not only you capture that, but that needs to be shared throughout the organization because in an information economy, it is that tacit knowledge that will allow you to differentiate 
um, that would allow you to differentiate and be competitive. Not this book knowledge, not these binders. That's not the information you need that's going to make you competitive. So important considerations. Core values should, be, uh, should inform all organizational decisions, and I'm going to show you what I mean in a minute. Remember that this is an ongoing process. The decisions that are the result of this process should be seen as, not seen as immutable or rigid. Organizational leaders should plan to review whether stakeholder factors have changed at least at a minimum two times a year. Because you need to be shifting. When leaders create organizations around well-defined and tested core values that consider the, the needs of all stakeholders and have processes in place to monitor progress, again, it's all stakeholders and measurements, they are less likely to discover at some point in the future that they've been nurturing a toxic environment. This is my first example of what I talk about my core values were to change this, uh, this community in a positive way, in a fun way, right? So the first example, this fits into my core values. I have um, cause scene, hashtag cause of scene merchandise. It's just sayings that I say that people like that I talk about. I, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't ever remember what I said in my talks. So people come back and say, oh, you sound like that's good. I'm going to write that down. So I have several items. Um, on this website because, again, I have a problem with people not wanting to pay for this. I, just like you go to work every day, you expect a check. The things I do, I expect to get paid for. The second example, yeah, woo, exactly. The second example is the conference. So the conference is, it's, it's all about, I'm so, I'm, again, I'm an educator, so I'm, and I'm a special needs ed, uh, certified, so I'm used to working with students and having dem to demonstrate how to do something. So I'm really sick of people talking about, oh, we just can't find underrepresented and marginalized people to speak at our conference. We just can't find it. You don't have an excuse anymore because I'm showing you how to do it. So again, my conference is Monday night. I'm sorry I used the English thing, so I was informed that some y'all thinking I'm talking 7.30 in the morning. Oh, heck no. <laughs> it's 7.30 <laughs> p.m. till um, 11 p.m. It is not in the morning. The next example of me using my core values to make decisions is my podcast that just um, launched on um, Wednesday, this past Wednesday. And it's the raw deal, Holyfield. I'm going to tell you, we are talking about everything because we need to have these conversations so we can move through them. It is not until we have these challenging conversations. And white men, I'm going to tell you, if you're feeling uncomfortable, you're only feeling this much discomfort. I walk around in this every single day. If I can deal, you can. And the fourth example is the leadership training, the coaching that I'm doing. I'm doing some uh, consulting while I'm here. Um, and this is, a, I'm doing, uh, so this is also showing you or giving you a demonstration of how I've used my core values to um, dictate how I get to my, my stakeholders and my customers. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Cause the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Cause the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Cause the Scene community. Just visit the website at hashtagcausescene.com to sign up today. 
On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.